just the little, the little things made me constantly on guard for wanting to make sure that he was happy with me because if he wasn't happy with me, it would be a big fight. It would be in this episode, we will talk about infidelity, emotional abuse, and deciding to leave a marriage for your kids. We'll dive right into Mama Foxfire's courageous story, where she went through social isolation, emotional trauma, and now living her best life after her marriage. Be sure to listen in for all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to the Courageous Inner Beast, the place where you get charged up by calling in your inner beast. Today, we have Mama Foxfire. Hi, Mama. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mama Foxfire. Uh, I'm a mental health advocate, single mom, full-time proposal manager, uh, and variety gamer, and I host a mental health talk show, and I'm here today to kind of share a little bit about the ups and downs in some some part of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So as we're going to that, so what is your one career story that you would like to share? Yeah, so you and I connected previously, and I kind of walked you through like this whole timeline of the shit that I've been through in my life, right? Yes. And we landed on the the thing that I feel like a lot of people could kind of get something to take away from is how I was, how I got into an abusive marriage and how I got out of an abusive marriage. And so I'll kind of share that with you today. Like I said, I've got so many, uh, so many different bits and pieces and stories to share, but. I think that this is one that um, a lot of people don't really understand. Well, how do you get into that situation? So mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of go through that with you today, if that's all right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like I'm all here. To yeah. So, so I started dating someone. I was a single mom at the time of, of my oldest and I started dating someone who I worked with and mm-hmm. we dated for a, a couple of years before we got married. Um, and at first everything seemed great. Like he seemed like he was very romantic. He took me on a nice extravagant trip. Uh, he said and did all these really nice things like bringing me flowers and uh, very quickly. Yes. Yeah. So right at the beginning, um, before we got married, all of this was before we got married and he has two boys as well. So he introduced me to his kids very quickly. I was a little more hesitant. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that, but he was like, no, no, no. I think they should meet you. You're great. I I want them to meet you. I I want them to know you. So he really shared a lot of his life and a lot of his background. And um, I didn't recognize it at the time, but he painted himself as the victim in in almost everything in his life. And- Oh, really? Yeah. the The story that he shared? Right. So like, why, why is he working where he is? Well, he was wronged in his previous job. And, and mm-hmm. before that he was wronged in that job. And, uh, you know, what happened with him? Cause he was divorced. What happened in yeah. his marriage? Oh, well, she was a bitch and like all this, uh, all this stuff. Right. But if someone's sharing their story with you and you've just met them, you don't have a reason to question that you're like, oh, wow, yeah. that really sucks. You know? Yeah. So I kind of just, believed everything that he said and um like I said very much in the dating phase of remembering my favorite foods and bringing me flowers and all this stuff um and so after the first couple of months my cat I see this is what I was talking about he is (laughs) gonna be in my face while I'm talking the whole time uh I have a lovely cat for those of you who aren't watching this on video I have a lovely cat who likes to be all up in my face while I'm talking so I'm petting him over here on the side (laughs) yeah that's what my like my cat like she's currently outside because she would 
be in my face too and just like yes. going in front of the camera all the time <laughs> so I'm just like oh, what are you yeah doing? exactly so there were red flags that I definitely ignored because mm-hmm. of uh because of the love bombing that was happening and for those who aren't familiar love bombing is a term where someone is just like if something happens and it's negative like he exhibited a lot of jealousy he was outrageously jealous I couldn't even look in the direction of someone else without having to soothe him later, even at work, even if it was at work, something for work. Um, He would get really, really mad and I would have to kind of calm him down. But then immediately he would go into, oh, well, let me take you on a date or let me bring you this nice gift Mm -hmm. or here's something, you know, to kind of make you forget about the things that had just happened. So I was going through a lot of that um, and things like, he would twist my words around and put me in a position where I had to apologize instead of whatever it was that was uh, causing it. So I say that, but those were really few and far between instances while we were dating. And so I chose to ignore those because on the whole, like if you're weighing, here's the good and here's the bad (laughs) while we were dating, the good was way up here and the bad was, it was there. Yeah. But it was pretty far down. It was pretty it was, far down. It was before marriage, too. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was very young. I wish I could blame it on that. Um, but I, it, you know, I was young. I was not stupid. But the reality is, when you're in a situation like that, you never know how you're going to react. You never know if you're going to even recognize what's happening at that time. Because, like I said, mm-hmm. the good was way up here and the bad yeah. was pretty far down. Um, so we did get married a couple of years later and almost immediately after was, we got married. Was the, was the the weight before marriage, was the weight starting to start to even out or even slowly? It was still at the very top. It was top still up. Before. Yeah. It, it was, was still, still at the very top. Yeah. So he even, was still like everything was good while we were dating. Yeah. Um, and, and a little bit of bad, a little bit of red flags that I really should not have ignored, but I didn't recognize them. I didn't know yeah. what love bombing was at the time. You know, yeah. I didn't know that was a, I didn't know that yeah. was a thing. I didn't recognize that jealousy was as bad as it really is. And, and getting, really? um, outrageously jealous was such a, a bad red flag, you know? Um, but so, it's also, so even if you were to randomly just talk to a stranger nicely, just like conversantly with them, yeah, he gets extremely outrageously jealous of it. And then. Right. Or, or like at a work function, if he yeah. went with me, cause he went with me to a lot of work functions and stuff. Yeah. If I talk to someone that I work with regularly, that is a, yeah. a coworker, a peer of mine. Uh, if I was talking to them at the punch bowl or whatever, or, yeah. uh, you know, seated next to them at, at a dinner or something, he would get so jealous of that. Mm. And, uh, it was just like wild to me because, I am, I like all people. I don't care. (laughs) You know, I get along with people. I like to talk to people. I like to get their stories. I like to interact with people. And, and uh, he really didn't like that very much. So fast forward a little bit, we got married and almost immediately it changed. Like our, our relationship, our dynamic between the two of us really changed. So yeah, he, um, started doing a lot of gaslighting. He started doing a lot of social isolating. He started doing a lot of other things. He went from being very charming and strong to very, very manipulative and aggressive. Not not like physically aggressive, but 
Yeah. He's a really big guy. And so he would get really loud and maybe punch a wall or something like that. And Wait, so, so while he, he, did he, she said, I don't know if I'm, I'm covered, he never got physical with you, but he right. was very emotionally abusive in the sense of like, like you said, gaslighting. Right. Right. So he never actually hit me. Um, he hit near me <laughs> and it was, you know, one of those things that it's like, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. And when, when someone's getting big and in your face and yelling, mm -hmm. while that's not technically physical abuse, like it is aggression and not mm -hmm. okay. Um, so it was, it was things like if I was a minute later getting home mm -hmm. from work than yeah. I usually am, he would start a fight about it. If I didn't cook or clean things just right, he would get really angry and he would kind of blow up and criticize me for not doing things the way that he wanted them done. Um, he accused me of cheating a lot, which I never did, never thought to do, you know, yeah. um, if I wanted to go out with friends. So if I wanted to go out with friends, he would constantly text me asking, you know, where are you now? Where, when are you coming home? Uh, saying like, your friends aren't as good as being home with me. I don't even know why you wanted to go out with people. And so he'd put my friends and my coworkers down be like, yeah. oh, she's an awful person. Remember that one time that you were mad at her? Mm -hmm. So he'd bring things up like that to try to get me to not want to hang out with people. Yeah. Um, and it, it, there's all kinds of, of examples that I can give, <laughs> but I know that, you know, you, there were a little bit time constrained. So it was just, just the little, the little things made me constantly on guard for wanting mm -hmm. to make sure that he was happy with me because if mm -hmm. he wasn't happy with me, it would be a big fight. It would be, um, it, so there's one insane example, one more insane example that I'll give. I showed him on Facebook, a creepy personal message that I had gotten from one of his, his college friends on Facebook that I was not friends with who just yeah. sent me a DM unsolicited. And it was something, all it said was like, hey, baby, how are you today? And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Right. So I showed it to him because I saw that they were friends on Facebook. And he blamed me for being wow. open, having my DMs where people could message me and, oh. and get that message to me. And he took my phone started going through my Facebook friends list. Re remember, this is not a friend of mine. It's a friend of his that sent me this message. Yeah. Started going through my friends list and started saying like, you're unfriending this person because they're a guy. So every guy on my friends list, whether I went to high school with them, I went to college with them. They were one of his friends, even some of my own family members or lifetime family friends. Oh. Uh, and when I refuse to unfriend my dad's brother, of all people, your uncle, my uncle who lives in Florida and said that was absolutely ridiculous. He got in my face and started yelling about how I had no respect for him as my husband, how I was too stupid and naive to understand what other men want or think or do my uncle. Then he stormed out of the house and said he wasn't coming back until I complied and unfriended my family member or he would just pack his stuff and we would be done and I would be alone forever because no one else wanted someone so stupid oh my goodness I'm yes oh my gosh oh so <sighs> and he set that up so gradually yeah so gradually that. over time that. that 
whenever it got to that point, I was like, well, maybe I am, maybe I am that naive, you know, maybe I am that stupid. And he had broken me down over time so much that I believed him. Yeah. And, you know, looking back at that now, I'm like, if some guy I'm dating goes through my phone and starts saying like unfriend these people, I'm like, well, I'm going to unfriend you. Goodbye. (laughs) You know, but when you're in a situation like that, where it's so gradual and you've gotten to a point where you've committed to someone, you've married them, uh, you've met their kids, they've met your kids. You do a lot that you didn't think yourself capable of as far as like staying and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, he convinced me that no one else would want me. He broke down my, my, um, my kind of self-confidence. Yeah. My self-esteem, my sense of self, my self-confidence. Uh, because when he was always dissatisfied with me, I felt like everyone would be dissatisfied. Yeah. And again, he was continuing the, like getting really loud or punching a wall or punching a door, doing something equally aggressive and then apologizing in a way that still placed that blame on me. Yeah. I'm sorry that you made me so mad that I punched that wall. Yeah. Definitely. You know, that kind of thing. And then he would revert when he felt like I was kind of on the edge of of my sanity, I guess. He would go back and be like, flowers, nice date. Let's go visit your family, which was another thing. He, he isolated me from my family very significantly. Um, and things that looking back, I I know should have been just a normal part of any relationship, going on dates, getting flowers, visiting with family. But now those were over the top special treatment to me because I didn't get them on a regular basis at that point. So I never saw myself as that girl who would stay in an unhealthy relationship. Um, But at that point I did, I did stay and I became slowly more and more cut off from everyone I loved until it was just me and the kids and him. And in that include his, his own kids too, or just your. Yeah. Yeah. So his two boys as well. So they see, they say they see his, their dad's behavior. Yeah. How how he's treating you and everything. So he, they see like the true colors of Mm -hmm. their parent. Right. Yeah. Fucking shit. Like, yeah. You know, like it's, Oh my God, I just hearing more of your story. I'm just like, oh I know. God. I mean, I'm glad I'm also like, because I know, I know that you told me before, like, you're not in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but then just like, okay, I'm interrupting you. Like, I want to hear more, please. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, all of these things had already happened. And then we mm-hmm. had a kid together a couple years later. Yeah. And so that's my youngest child. Um, yeah. And then a couple of years after that, I found out that he was having an affair. And at the same time, I found out that he had had an affair prior to that as well. Two? And again, yes, he had two? had two affairs. Oh, I found out about shit. one. And because of the way that I found out about that one, I was the in a position. One, the first one. The first. The, well, this, this is the second one. I found out about the second one first. Yes. And because I found out and got into contact with his affair partner, I asked her, I said, do you know if he's ever had an affair before? And she said, yes. And so when I confronted him about it, I found out about both affairs at the same time. Um, And again, I thought I wasn't the kind of person who was going to stay with a cheater, but 
I stayed with him for the kids. And that was kind of my reasoning. Like he says he wants to work on things. I'm going to stay and try to work on things because we have kids together. We have a blended family as well. Um, Looking back, that's not a good idea. Like if you, if everyone takes away one thing from me, don't, don't stay for the kids. They see what you're going through and they see how you're being treated and they'll either wish that you had done differently or they'll repeat those patterns later in their life. So you gotta, it's way better to show them the healthy side of leaving and the strength of leaving. If you're in a situation like that, if you can safely, um, So we did couples therapy. I went to therapy on my own. I had a horrible experience in therapy at first. Um, And we went to couples therapy as well with with someone else. We only went until he decided he couldn't, air quotes, win in therapy. He said, I can't win in therapy. We're not going anymore. And so you can't force someone to go to therapy. (laughs) You can't. You can't. can't. No, especially not someone like that. No, Um, and the fact that he used the word win... What the, f- what? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't understand that at all. Right. But I can see what he means in the perspective of how his behaviors are. I see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But in a, in a healthy standpoint. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So we did an affair recovery program. I do highly recommend um, affair recovery programs. If you are working through discovering this- an affair, highly recommend that? them. It, so it's not not therapy with a therapist. You do it with a group of people who are in the similar situation. So usually a group of other couples who have discovered that one partner is having an affair or both partners are having an affair mm-hmm. and who want to understand what happened um, and understand how to, you know, repair the communication and the relationship. And yeah. so it's, um, I wish I could remember the company that did it, but it's, it, it was really good. It was a really good oh, program. Totally fine. Like we could also... Yeah. Let me know later. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it back up because I have, I mean, I don't delete anything out of my email, so it's in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go back and find it. Um, but again, he didn't really want to do the work. So I'm not sure that much of it stuck with them. Mm. He did some of it. So I rationalized in my brain and said there, he did some, he did some part. There was an effort and we kind of moved on. Uh, and so that was in 2015 mm-hmm. and fast forward another year and, uh, another affair partner that I didn't know about her husband started stalking our family and <laughs> right. So I found out about another so affair. This, wait, so, this is so far three. Yes. That you found. Right. Wow. So I found out about another one yeah. because now the husband we were being stalked right so yeah. the man escalated started contacting me sending threats to me saying you need to get your husband to kill himself talking about that he knew where the kids and i were at times that he shouldn't have known where the kids and i were saying things like oh that's a nice you know i'm wearing a purple shirt today that's a nice purple shirt you're wearing and i'm like oh, oh shit it was so intense it was super scary i made so many 911 calls so many filed police reports And if anyone's ever dealt with a stalker situation, like, you know, that it's so hard to get any attention for stalkers. And even if they are, if, even if they are threatening your life, the life of someone you love, um, it, it was one of those things. I finally talked to one of the sheriff's deputies who came out to, um, 
who came out to take my report was like, here's what you need to do. You go downtown to the sheriff's department, go to the station, refuse to leave until they take your full statement. They'll want to take your phone. They'll want your husband's phone so that they can go through and see everything. And then that way they'll pay, they'll pay more attention to it because you've gone and you've made a fuss. And I'm like, okay. So I did that. I went the next day. I went to the the sheriff's department in, in downtown and sat there. I was like, no, these little police reports that I've been doing are not good enough. I want a full report. I want you to gather the evidence that's on my phone. I want you to reach out to my husband, gather the evidence that's on his phone. Um, and then finally they were like, okay, that's great. Now you need to send a cease and desist letter. So I sent a cease and desist letter with copies to his wife, to his employer. And he was finally arrested and went to jail, which is very rare in cases of stalking. That almost never happens. Yeah. Before there's something bad, like some sort of actual physical harm, almost never happens. So now we're dealing with the fact that I'm (laughs) re-traumatized from having to go through all of this, uh, all of this physical threats from someone else beside beyond the threats from him so this Wait, is the, the third wife didn't do anything about it or did she know about this no or? no she didn't she do anything know. about it no was, was she knew or she didn't know i i she had to have known because there were so many police reports filed and i sent the cease and desist letter directly to her as well oh my gosh and she decided to look the other way if she didn't I, know oh i don't know God. i didn't i didn't talk to her at that time so i don't know yeah. how she handled it i don't know if she yeah. i have no idea but yeah we don't know either yeah i guess just making the assumption of it i'm just like right right yeah. so he swore to me that that affair was only emotional and not physical I found out it's months still later. Valid though, still valid. Right, right. Yeah. So I found out. My, well, and he said he said uh, that there I had had plenty of emotional affairs during our marriage, and I was like, "Excuse me, not what? one time." Being friends with someone does not equate an emotional affair. Sorry, it doesn't. You can be friends with someone, and that is not an emotional affair. Yes. So there's a fine line of that. Right. Okay. Right. He's okay. He right. So. I found out later that it was physical and that it was still going on. And so I know at that point I was like, I'm done. That's it. I clearly there's something that just like snapped in me. That said, clearly he's not going to change. He's not going to learn. He thinks this behavior is okay because he keeps getting, getting away with it. Uh, So I did file for divorce and it did not go over well with him. Yeah. Wait, so how he did was... you, because you, you, you were saying how like, if you were to leave someone, like, be sure to leave safely. So how did you yeah. prepare for that when you were filing for divorce? So fortunately, I didn't have to, or I, I probably should have a little bit um, because of the way that things did shake out. But what I wish I had done is what I'll say. I wish yeah. that I had involved another person, like yeah. a parent or a, a sibling or a friend or something like that. Keep in mind, I was so isolated from them and had been for years that I didn't feel like I had anyone, but I could have involved like a coworker or someone. I was very close yeah. with some of my coworkers. I could have had them come in and, you know, help me and be there and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if you're in a situation where there is a threat of physical violence and, and I'll back up a little bit and say like, well, Oh, there was never any hitting. There was sexual violence in my marriage. And that's something that doesn't get a lot of attention either. Um, so because you're just because you're married doesn't mean you can't be raped. 
And that's something that not a lot of people recognize or agree with. Um, and so I should have probably had someone there for my safety. I don't think that it was at a level that I needed to involve the police, but it was definitely possible that I should have. Um, and if you're in that kind of situation, there are resources out there. There are phone numbers you can call. There are women's shelters that you can go to. You can take your kids to. Uh, there's a great show called Made, M-A-I-D, uh, mm -hmm. that goes through a relationship that that felt very similar to mine when I watched it. And it's a great show. It's heart-wrenching. It's hard to watch. Uh, but I recommend that people watch it because it's it gives you so much hope. And the things, the steps that she goes through uh, as far as, you know, putting together a plan, talking to specific people, talking to specific, um, you know, groups who will help you get out and get a job and do all of this stuff. Uh, it was, it was really great. And I was fortunate that I had a stable job. I had a steady job. I was already making more money than him. I made more money than him our whole marriage. Um, so I wasn't in a situation where I wasn't going to be able to provide for myself and my kids. Yeah. And that's not the case. That's not the case for a lot of women. Um, so getting out safely means starting to put away money in a secret account that he does not have access to taking, yeah. you know, freezing your joint accounts and those kinds of things. Um, so I did, I did file for divorce. He was supposed to move out by Christmas, but he forced his way into staying until, New Year's. And this was in late 2019. And he finally was out right before New Year's, which is great because then a few months later, there was a pandemic and we were all stuck inside. And I yeah. cannot imagine how much worse it, it could have been. Um, I hired a lawyer. I wound up giving him all of the land, all of the property that we owned in two different places just to get it over with because everything was delayed. He, it was just, um, you know, a kind of a nightmare of like, I'll just give whatever, I'll give you whatever you want. Just let's be done. Yeah. Um, and I'm really fortunate that I was able to support myself and my kids emotionally and financially, but it definitely, definitely took a toll on me. Yeah. Uh, and eventually because of COVID the courts were delayed. It was two years before the divorce was finally granted. So you so, were still married for another year. Yes. Yeah. Like another for, year. for two years. For two for years. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. Was so I just... filed in 2019 and mm -hmm. I got finally, finally granted the divorce in 2021. But he was out already by then when you. Yes. So even though you were still legally married, mm -hmm. like he was not near you. Was there any like other, I guess, like, for example, a restraining order or something that where he can't come near you, but then his kids or visitations or it's still kind of on the kind of that sounds messy a little bit. Yeah, I didn't go the route of getting a restraining order um, because once he finally left, I think that he realized like there was no chance to come yeah. back. And yeah. so he kind of stopped contact a little bit, which was great. That's ideal. <laughs> yes, it is very ideal. Yes. And he still has visitation with my youngest. Um, so my oldest is not his. My youngest is. And he still has visitation. But it's very like he pulls up at the front of the house. And this is a different house. It's not the same house. So yeah. he pulls up at the front of the house. My kid goes out. 
and that's it. And then whenever he drops them off, he just pulls up at the front and my kid comes in and that's it. So there's really not a lot of interaction anymore, which is, I am so grateful for. Um, yeah. So it's just, it was a nightmare and it was awful. And I just didn't see, I didn't see it coming. I didn't recognize it once it started. And I wish that I had known more about it so that whenever I did finally say like, Hey, something's not right. I wish I had not already been to a point of being so isolated and mentally and emotionally broken down that it was impossible for me to do anything about it for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, it's also standable is like, it's as I'm listening to your story, it, like it sounds so subtle and gradual, like you said. Like it's not a a hard hitting thing that like just happened. It's just the slow effect of weighing you down, and you know, for us, oh, well, at least for me too. Like picking up subtle things is not. It's like oh, it's okay. It's right. one time. It's not too bad, and then it goes exactly. And I think like eventually, when it comes a pattern, that's when we're like, oh. This mm-hmm. is happening every single time. Yeah. Why am I letting myself be through and going through this? And so, yeah. yeah. My girl, thank you for sh- just sharing this. And Absolutely. Just, I, I've felt that all the way through with your story of what you had to go through, all that, and now finally be here now after, even after the, the weird two-year stage of still being married to mm-hmm. during COVID. <laughs> You're finally here. That's two years now. It's been two years now, 2021 yep. now. And so thank you so much for sharing this. And so just kind of ending it, like what is your one takeaway that you would like to share to the audience? My one takeaway that I would like to share is if you feel like something's right, trust your intuition because I ignored mine. And it was, it was correct. I should have listened to it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your story. And this story would definitely inspire and just help so many people out there. Because to really pick up, like you said, your instincts, pick up the subtle Mm -hmm. cues that you think it's okay, but eventually down the line is like a really big red flag that mm-hmm. we need to look out for and so thank you thank you so much yeah thank you for letting me come on here and share with you yeah and it's been such a pleasure too so so thank you everyone for listening in and if you enjoyed this conversation please leave a review wherever you're listening and look out for new episodes every tuesday on the courageous inner feast thank you for listening in if you enjoy our conversation and want to know more about mama foxfire Please go to the show notes for more information and for the links.